It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. The presidents and the picket lines. Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast. President Biden joining the picket lines today near Detroit to show solidarity with those striking auto workers. And former President Donald Trump will do the same thing tomorrow. Jeff Gilbert gets us started from the Motor City. The president's visit is a show of support, but not a direct involvement in the negotiations, says Peter Berg, who's a professor at Michigan State University. The car makers, he says, will likely look the other way. I, I really think they understand what's going on. They understand what Joe Biden's doing. While supporting the strikers, the president has said he wants a win-win solution to the strike. Reporter Shannon Gray has the latest on the ongoing work stoppage at the UAW. Auto workers say they're not asking for anything out of line. Pensions, they were, those were taken away. There's job security issues. Steve Greger says he's worked in the auto industry for more than two decades. I'm making less per hour than I was 23 years ago. What's wrong with that picture? He's had to work two to three jobs just to make ends meet. Mr. Biden's appearance today on the picket lines is historic. It marks the first time a sitting president has ever joined striking workers during a walkout. Correspondent Gabe Gutierrez says there's a risk, though, with that show of support. He's likely owning the results of these negotiations, no matter the outcome. Analysts warn this strike could cost the economy billions of dollars if it persists, and the president could face blame from voters if car prices start to go up and car parts become harder to come by. It should be mentioned the powerful UAW has yet to endorse a candidate in next year's presidential election. Shutdown, showdown. That's the other big story we're following today on Capitol Hill. Federal agencies preparing for the real possibility of a government shutdown if Congress does not pass a budget by September 30th. This coming Saturday. The White House is calling this a Republican shutdown and warns that without a solution, at least 4 million federal workers won't get paid, food safety inspections could be delayed, and cancer research could be stalled. Weijia Jang at the White House, Pennsylvania Republican Brian Fitzpatrick says the American people are counting on Congress to get a deal done. They want us to sit down in the room just like our personal relationships, just like we manage our families and our businesses. You sit down at the table. And you figure it out. If there is a shutdown, Social Security checks would still go out. Medicare and Medicaid programs would remain intact. And the U.S. Postal Service would continue operations. You'll still get the mail, even if there is a government shutdown. Hollywood writers vote today on a three-year deal to end the five-month strike in Tinseltown. Picket signs are coming down. But don't expect the curtain to rise anytime soon for your favorite shows. While the writers have reached a deal, it still must be ratified by the Guild's 11,000 members. And more than 160,000 actors are still without a contract. The WGA calls its three-year deal exceptional. It includes concessions on royalty payments for streaming and protecting writers from being replaced by AI. Elise Preston reporting at the border, it's an invasion by invitation, say some. Congressional Republicans continue to sound the alarm about 
President Biden's border control policies or lack thereof. This is the worst I've ever seen it. It is come one, come all. This border is wide open, wide open. Texas Congressman Ronnie Jackson. We have thousands of people crossing every day, 223,000 in the month of August, 11,000 across the border just yesterday. It's crazy. It's absolute insanity down here. Jackson says disease, crime and drugs are crossing the border as well. The White House is putting little stock in a new ABC News Washington Post poll that gives the president just a 37 percent approval rating. White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre. Polls are polls, right? They are going to be all over the place. You know, they don't tell the whole story, actually. And that is just the way a poll is. That same poll shows 44 percent of registered voters say they are worse off financially under a Biden administration. That's the highest percentage in this poll since 1986. Minnesota Democrat Dean Phillips. It's important for democracy to have choices, to have competition, particularly in light of the polling, the data. I'm concerned that there is no alternative. The 54-year-old Phillips says he's giving serious thought to challenging Biden for the Democratic nomination next year. Former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is calling on fellow Democrat Bob Menendez to resign. It would probably be a good idea if he did resign. The New Jersey senator says he will not resign despite being implicated in a bribery scandal. Menendez will be arraigned tomorrow in federal court. Pennsylvania's senior U.S. Senator Bob Casey Jr. also calling on his colleague to step down. West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin is stitching together a bipartisan coalition to reverse the chamber's controversial Fetterman rules. It's a nod to the junior senator from Pennsylvania with a penchant for casual attire. Manchin intends to file a resolution soon, making ties and suits mandatory again for men inside the Senate chamber. Last week, Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman presided over the Senate while wearing gym shorts. Residents of Lahaina in Maui are headed home, or what's left of their homes, seven weeks after those deadly Hawaiian wildfires. Here's reporter Jonathan Vigliotti. Car after car entered what's left of this Lahaina neighborhood. Each resident returning home for the first time in weeks to no home at all, just foundations of ash. It's pretty bad after so many years living here. Like many, Noreen Wales and her granddaughter, Tawny, were completely overwhelmed when they first saw the destruction. It's unrecognizable. It's hard to process. For many, this is a chance to come to terms with what happened. I just can't believe it's gone. It's heartbreaking. All our memories were here. Many residents feel they need more from officials to rebuild. There's not enough support for the people that live here. And I get it. There's a balance there. We survive on tourism, but we should be the priority. You know, we live here. Jonathan Vigliotti, Maui. The red state versus blue state debate is on. A Republican will be taking on a Democrat one-on-one in November. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis goes head-to-head, toe-to-toe, eyeball-to-eyeball with California Governor Gavin Newsom on Fox News on November 30th. Sean Hannity will moderate that debate. A New Jersey 
Jersey school district has okayed the seizing of cell phones to fight cyberbullying. The Central Regional School District in Ocean County is enacting the new electronics policy after the tragic death of a 14-year-old student. Adriana Kutch committed suicide back in February after four kids attacked her in a school hallway and posted video of the beatdown to social media. The school district has come under increasing scrutiny, with other kids saying they've been bullied on special social media pages set up to showcase fights at the school. Cell phone storage pockets will be used in class. I'm Sarah Lee Kessler. All right, Sarah, thank you for that. And still to come on the Noon Report, New York's aging population, Trump blasts PA election law, and Midge, the deer slayer. Good afternoon. Mountain Kevin Williams going for some fairly quiet weather over the next couple days and nights. And after a fairly cloudy stretch, some sun ahead. The details coming up. We'll see you in 10. All right, Kevin, good to have you back in the saddle. Let's check the stories making news where you live next. A camper explosion in Onondaga County, New York, has left a couple injured. That blast happened yesterday in the town of Spafford. 75-year-old Robert Hamlin and his wife Barbara treated at a local hospital for non-life-threatening injuries. Police say the blast was triggered by open propane tanks attached to that camper camper. New York is getting older. One out of every five residents is over 65. It's three and a half million New York residents, which is more than the population of 21 other states in this country. Robin Haberman with AARP. The under 65 population is shrinking. So it's just, I think, nature taking its course. All the boomers are kind of coming into their own now. New York's older population is outpacing overall population growth in every single county and most of the state's larger cities. 37% of senior citizens live below the poverty line. It's critically important to make sure that the needs of people age 65 and older are met. They deserve to age with dignity and grace, and we need to make sure that we do that for them. Senior citizens now make up the largest share of New York's overall population than ever before. Pennsylvania food banks dealing with high demand and low donations. That is not a recipe for success. Over a million people right now facing food insecurity on a daily basis in the Commonwealth. 70% of these people come from working class families. New York Governor Kathy Hochul's deployed more National Guard troops to help find permanent housing for the hundreds of migrants arriving daily from the southern border. I believe they did not come all these thousands of miles to live in a shelter with hundreds, if not thousands, of others. The governor says temporary protection status for Venezuelan refugees will help fill nearly half a million job vacancies in the Empire State. We are being held back by a shortage of workers. Ask a farmer how they're doing this year. It's been a really tough year because they don't have enough workers, so I want TPS for more people. Critics say that will only incentivize advice more illegal immigration. The governor admits our infrastructure is not adequately prepared to deal with these new arrivals. We don't want to invite people to come to New York to stay in a shelter. We have to be honest about this now. And even the shelters we have, we are running, we are out of space. And that's just the reality check that people need to know before they come to New York. The governor says she is open to a special session of the legislature to address the migrant crisis, but hasn't given a timeline yet for for that to happen. Former President Donald Trump is blasting Pennsylvania's new automatic voter registration law. He argues it will hurt Republican candidates, including him, in next year's presidential election. Some pundits predict 
automatic voter registration could pave the way for illegal immigrants to vote in the Keystone State. New law in New York requires people selling their homes to disclose whether their homes have ever been flooded out or are at risk of flooding in the future. Yeah, the state has a similar law in place for rental properties. The law closes a loophole that has allowed home sellers to pay a $500 fee to avoid disclosing their home's flood risk. The law also requires sellers to disclose additional information about flooding on their properties, such as whether the property is in a flood hazard area and if any flood insurance claims have been filed. Jeremy Miller, Family Life News. Pennsylvania politicians want to raise awareness about suicide at state parks. Since 2010, 164 Pennsylvanians have taken their lives at state parks in the Commonwealth. There is legislation in the works that would require state parks post signs offering help for those who struggle with thoughts of suicide. Studies have shown the chances of somebody taking their own life decreases when they see a sign offering help. There was a shooting last night at a fast food restaurant in Niagara County, New York. Details from Family Life's D. Haley. New York State Police responded to a call shortly before 8 o'clock last night for a shooting outside Wendy's on South Transit Road in the town of Lockport. After police arrived, they determined a group of individuals were in the lot when a man pulled out a gun and shot someone. The shooter left the scene and the victim was taken to the Erie County Medical Center with non-life-threatening injuries. The investigation is ongoing. The Niagara County Sheriff's Department and the Lockport Police Department are assisting the New York State Police. The shooter remains at large. D. Haley, Family Life News. Deaths from alcohol-related car crashes are up nearly 30% in New York. Last year alone, more than 7,000 DWI-related crashes caused over 300 deaths. Now lawmakers are debating whether to increase the penalties and lower the threshold for drunk driving in the Empire State. A homeschooling family from New York has run into some trouble in getting a document needed for their daughter to graduate. For the Ludwigs in particular, the school district was trying to put additional burdens. In other words, they said you needed to do extra credits and requirements that are, is not specifically in the homeschooling law. That's T.J. Schmidt with the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, who's defending the homeschooling parents, Jeff and Tabitha Ludwig. We're going to be requesting what is called the letter of substantial equivalency. Basically, that letter is just simply verification that the student has completed a home education program in compliance with New York law. Schmidt says homeschool graduates can still get into college without that letter of substantial equivalency, but it does help in securing state aid. The deadline is fast approaching to take the New York State Troopers exam. You have until Sunday, October 1st to sign up. The last day to finish the test is October 15th. So far, more than 10,000 New Yorkers have applied. To become a state trooper, you must be a U.S. citizen between the ages of 20 and 34, and you must have a high school diploma. More than 30 deer have died in northwestern Pennsylvania from a virus caused by midges. Here's Family Life's Terry Dean. A Pennsylvania Game Commission on Monday said it found an estimated 30 to 40 dead deer the week of September the 8th in the vicinity of state game lands in North Shenango and Sadsbury Townships in Crawford County. The agency reports the disease outbreaks typically occur in late fall when biting midges are in abundance. White-tailed deer are far more susceptible and large-scale mortality events have been recorded within the state over the past few years. Terry Diener, Family Life News. And the picturesque town of Wellsboro, Pennsylvania has just been recognized by Country Living.
Living Magazine as one of the best towns in the country for fall foliage. Wellsboro ranked ninth on this year's list, which specifically praises the nearby Pennsylvania Grand Canyon as an absolute must-see during the autumn months. Let's pause next and check out your sports on the Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, the defending NFC East champs look like they want to win it again as the Eagles move to 3-0 on the season. Jalen Hurts wasn't feeling well and he looked like it. He was not very good last night, but he was good enough. 23 of 37 passes, a touchdown. He was picked off twice by Tampa Bay. Hertz also ran one in for a score. Philly won it 25 to 11. The other game last night was a rematch of Super Bowl 56 as the Bengals took on the Rams in Cincinnati. Evan McPherson nailed four of five field goal attempts, and the Bengals picked up their first win of the season, 19 to 16. To baseball and a playoff standings update. Right now, the American American League wildcard teams are Tampa Bay. They are definitely in Toronto and Houston. And just a game and a half back behind Houston are the Mariners. In a battle of pitching aces last night, the Astros' Justin Verlander outdueled Seattle's Luis Castillo. And Houston took this game 5-1. Verlander, eight innings, only one run on three hits. Texas maintained their two-and-a-half game lead over the Astros with a 5-1 win over the Angels. The Rangers got back-to-back-to-back home runs from Adalas Garcia, Mitch Garber, and Nathaniel Lau in the sixth inning to pull away for the victory. Over in the National League, two teams that are barely hanging on had a pitcher's duel out west. Logan Webb of the Giants tossed a complete game as San Francisco came back to beat San Diego 2-1. Webb struck out seven, gave up only one run. Blakes now tossed six innings of shutout ball and struck out seven in a no decision for him. The Giants now four and a half out of the final wild card spot with the Padres a game back of them. That is a look at sports. Thank you, Randy Men Still to come, the presidents and the picket lines. Shutdown showdown on Capitol Hill and how God is moving in war-torn Ukraine. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Back in 2020, January Little John's daughter came home confused about her sexual identity after three of her close friends at school began to identify as transgender. Little John is a licensed mental health counselor and did her best to support her daughter, opening the door to conversation and seeking out a counselor. But as she relates, the real surprise came later. Quote, when school started, my daughter got into the car and said, Mom, I had a meeting today at school and they asked me which restroom I wanted to use. And what we learned that the school had done was socially transition our daughter without our notification or consent. And then they did something particularly nefarious. They asked our daughter what name they should use when speaking to her parents. That was to effectively deceive parents that these gender support transition plans had never taken place. End quote. Well, little John found herself in a battle for her child's life, a battle that thousands of parents across the U.S. and Europe now face. Parents of kids who are struggling with gender dysphoria are often completely alone, braving attacks from schools, from counselors, 
counselors, from medical professionals, from other parents, from their friends and neighbors. They even face the possibility of being legally separated from their kids unless they go along. Too many acquiesce. But January Littlejohn chose a different path. Here's how she described it. Quote, We know and love our children more than anyone in the world. We die for our children ten times over. So the school has no right to make critical decisions with minor children without parental involvement. End quote. In 2021, Little John and her husband filed a lawsuit against the county school board for encouraging their daughter's transition without parental permission. She's now a parental advocate at Do No Harm, an organization that aims to return health care to evidence-based practices and medicine to the original purpose of healing. This story is just one of many reminders we have today in our culture of the kind of courage that Christians will need. It's where the rubber hits the road and finding out where our faith really is. Given the need for courage right now, we've centered the entire Colson Center National Conference next year around this theme of courageous faith. Doing the right thing will not be popular and it will never be easy. But throughout history, Christians have found the courage to live out their faith in difficult times. Think about William Wilberforce and the Clapham sect. Think about the Egyptian Coptic martyrs kneeling on a Libyan beach. Courage is the commitment to both speak and live the truth about God, His world, people, and God's plan for redemption, no matter what the consequences are for us. Without courage, we'll end up with a shriveled and ineffective faith, one that has no power to impact the wider world. But courage doesn't just happen. Courage is a virtue, and virtues have to be cultivated. Our next annual conference on Courageous Faith is all about what it's going to take to cultivate courage. At the event, you'll be connected with like-minded believers who also share a commitment with living out their faith courageously in this time and this place. The lineup of speakers this year show that kind of courage in the public square, from palliative care physician Dr. Margaret Cottle to apologist Sean McDowell to UK Anglican deacon Father Calvin Robinson. Each of these individuals have demonstrated living out faith in the public square while still treating others with decency and respect. And once again, our conference will begin with an optional worldview intensive on courageous citizenship, an important emphasis for the coming election year. The conference will be held on May the 30th to June the 2nd at the brand new Lowe's Hotel and Conference Center in Arlington, Texas. To learn more, go to colsonconference.org. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. And for more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org. Thank you, John. Outside we go next, Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast. For this afternoon, still some stubborn cloudiness in parts of Pennsylvania. Sprinkle or shower in spots, some sunshine elsewhere, high temps cool, 60s. Dropping into the 40s and low 50s tonight with partly cloudy skies. Tomorrow and Thursday, generally a fair amount of sunshine expected with high temperatures in the 60s. Near 70, there may be a shower or two on Thursday across northwest Pennsylvania and southwest New York. All right, Kevin, thank you very much. This is the Noon Report. I'm your host, Bob Price. Lots going on Tuesday, the 26th of September. President Biden in Wayne County, Michigan right now, showing solidarity with the striking United Auto Workers Union. Former President Trump will do the same thing tomorrow. Here's correspondent Gabe Gutierrez. It's a significant moment because the White House says this is the first time a sitting president has visited a picket line in modern times. This comes just one day before former President Trump is planning to skip the GOP primary debate and address union workers here instead. The White House is denying that Mr. Trump's visit had anything to do with this trip, while the Trump campaign is calling President Biden's visit a cheap photo op and arguing that the administration's push for electric vehicles 
would cost union jobs. It should be mentioned the UAW, that powerful auto union, has yet to endorse a candidate for president next year. Now to Washington, where Congress is in crisis mode. Time is running out to avert a government shutdown. Just five days to go. House Republicans still scrambling to find the votes to end the impasse. Reporter Ryan Nobles tells us what could happen if there is a shutdown. The most immediate impact would be on programs like Head Start, which provides early childhood education for low-income families. There's also funding for important nutrition programs that could dry up as well. WIC, for example, provides nearly 7 million moms and children assistance. A shutdown would cause the vast majority of people who participate in that program to see an immediate reduction and elimination of nutrition assistance. A shutdown would also end pay for 4 million federal workers, but Social Security checks would still go out. Medicare and Medicaid would also remain intact, and the U.S. Postal Service would continue operations. Hollywood writers are voting today on a new three-year deal to end the five-month strike. Reporter Chloe Malas has the latest. So if this passes, we could potentially see late-night return early next week. Now, sources are telling me that the full industry is expected to be up and running by Thanksgiving. More free COVID tests available, but what do you do with those expired ones just lying around the house? Many of us are in that boat. Dr. Nam Tran with UC Davis Health. There is no uh, guarantee that these tests will work properly. They can give you false negative results, false positive results. This is due to the chemicals that are used for testing as well as the paper and the packaging. So when in doubt, throw it out, says the doctor. You can check your expiration dates at covidtest.gov, which, by the way, is the same website where you can order new COVID tests. Attorney General Merrick Garland says the U.S. Justice Department is committed to ending the fentanyl epidemic. Fentanyl is a nearly invisible poison and that many people who take it have no idea. That they are taking it. Garland says authorities have seized more than 55 million fentanyl pills and more than 9,000 pounds of fentanyl powder. He says Mexican drug cartels are fueling the epidemic with the aid of communist China. You're listening to the Noon Report, a Tuesday edition, right here on Family Life. Welcome back to another edition of Hometown Heroes on Family Life. I'm Mark Webster. This week's guest is Jeff Sigworth of Pennsylvania, who recently completed a trip to war-torn Ukraine with A-18 missions. In part two of our interview, he recounts the impact of the war on Ukrainians and on his personal faith journey. The war definitely galvanized the faith. There have been more people coming to church to experience the gospel, and not just in the kids, but also in their parents. One of the funny things is Leo, who is the pastor of the House of Prayer over there where we were at, he was telling me that since the beginning of the war, parents have been sending their kids to church and stuff to be able to find that peace, that joy, that longing. In turn, the kids have been taking it back home to their parents and bringing their parents to church. And these are parents who either were atheists or were even Russian Orthodox, went to more Catholic services that ended up coming to Southern Baptist church services because of what their kids were experiencing and the, the peace that their kids were being filled with. And it was funny because, like, there's no atheists in a foxhole. I've met kids whose parents were soldiers who started coming to church and were taking their faith that they got from church back to their bases or taking it back to the front line. 
lines, administering it to the people in the front lines. And it's more of like a revival to some extent, using the youth as a way to minister to the adults. And yes, I would say that the, the war has galvanized their faith. There had always been that longing, I, I think, within the country, because from what I've understood since before the war even, it's just now more prominent because of the war. And I think war does that. I just think war brings out that desire for peace, especially with you know not knowing what your tomorrows look like. What lesson can we here back in the non-war-torn states learn from that? There's so many lessons. One thing I actually learned from them that I've been doing in my own life now is daily prayer. Todd Gallagher, uh, while we were driving north, was talking about, he's like, you're going to experience something you didn't experience in the United States. And he's like, that's public daily prayer. And I'm like, what? And he's like, just wait. So we get up north and we're in Ukraine and we're out driving around and we're meeting with the, the community and we're working with people. And everywhere we'd go, we'd either pray before we got into a vehicle or we'd pray while we were in the vehicle or we'd pray before we sat down to eat even if it was in public we'd pray before we did anything and either the Ukrainians are, are big into that at least the, the churches that I was with were big into just continuous prayer and having that one-on-one -on -one conversation with God at all times it just absolutely especially in my, in my own faith that you know I thought was strong helped build a stronger faith and something I think we need to do here in America more is just that public prayer where we we aren't afraid to have that continuous conversation with God about our situation or what we're going through or what something's coming up or whether it's in our workplace or in our homes or in our community, just being one with God. And it says, ask and it shall be given, seek and it shall be found, knock and it shall be opened. So we know that if he's willing to do those things for us, if we would just pray to him, then we know that he's going to take care of it. And over there, that was something they were very much about was just, just praying, just being open and honest with God about things that are going on in their lives, it changed me as a person because of it. Like it, it, It's one of the big things I incorporate in my life now, is just continuous prayer and giving glory to God in absolutely everything. I mean, I saw miracles happen in that country I couldn't even begin to, to, to describe, and it, it's because of the glory of God. It's because of the continuous prayer and the hedges of protection that we were praying for that we weren't worried. We didn't have anything bad happen to us because of it. It was life-changing. I uh, was going over there and, and doing what God's been calling me to do for the last 15 years, 16 years, has been definitely something that um, I'm going to continue to do, and I'm going to continue to travel over there. And I actually am leaving January 29th for a winter trip over there. I mean, their Christmas is, was January 7th. They just changed it to December 25th, but a lot of people still celebrate January 7th. So I'm doing a, another mission trip here for their Christmas, and then uh, I'll be coming back and then returning again in May of, of next year for three months to do a three-month mission trip over there. That's part two of our interview with Jeff Sigworth of Pennsylvania, just back from a mission trip to war-torn Ukraine, providing a first-hand look at the impact of the Russian invasion on the faith of the people of Ukraine and on missionaries like himself who've experienced it firsthand. Please join us again next week as we search for your home, your town, your hero. It's Hometown Heroes on Family Life. I love that feature. Thank you, Mark. Hometown Heroes comes your way every Tuesday during the Noon Report. You can also catch it online anytime at familylife.org. 
Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life Regional weather forecast. We're going to rid ourselves of the rather stubborn cloud cover of late as higher pressure will build in from the north, suppressing the disturbance that has brought recent clouds and showers to our south and out of the region ultimately. For this afternoon, still some stubborn cloudiness in parts of Pennsylvania. Sprinkle or shower in spots, some sunshine elsewhere, high temps cool, 60s, dropping into the 40s and low 50s tonight with partly cloudy skies. Tomorrow and Thursday, generally a fair amount of sunshine expected with high temperatures in the 60s near 70. There may be a shower or two on Thursday across northwest Pennsylvania and southwest New York. All right, thank you very much, Kevin. Finally at noon, today's a day so nice they made it twice. Let's end this broadcast as we often do with Family Life's Brian Query. Well, get those hotcakes on the griddle. It's time to prepare some flapjacks because it's National Pancake Day. Now, you might be saying, didn't we already celebrate this holiday this year? And you'd be right. Two different groups started their own versions of the holiday, and most national holiday calendars recognize both. Pancakes are a breakfast staple dating back to ancient Greece. A few facts about pancakes. 93% of Americans say they like or love pancakes. Our favorite type of pancakes is buttermilk, and two-thirds of those surveyed recently prefer maple syrup as their topping of choice. So today, if you're flip-flopping on what type of pancake you prefer, whether thick or thin, made on a griddle or baked in the oven, or for breakfast or for dinner, celebrate with some pancakes. It just helps prove this day stacks up against the rest. Brian Query, Family Life News. Love me some flapjacks. Thank you very much, Brian. And that's the world we live in, folks. Tuesday, September 26th. I'm Bob Price. Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.